Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Here we go. We're going to go chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to back up just a little bit into our message from last week and overlap that into this one. It's a really good foundation. And last week we were talking about gaps in our faith and filling the gaps of our faith. That God wants us to not have any gaps in between us. And uh, here we go in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. How we thank God for you. I love how Paul is just so, he's so connected and, and, and intimate with his people, right? He loves, he loves the people he disciples. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. Now, one of the things about the Thessalonian church is that this is, a very, this is a very new church when Paul is writing this book. And so there's a lot of brand new Christians. And there was a very, it was a very major military stronghold for Rome. And it was also a major economic hub for the whole region. So there was tons of military presence, lots of economic stuff happening. And what happens in an economic region is that it becomes very diverse. So there's a high level of diversity happening inside of this city and prosperity happening in the city. And there's all kinds of different belief systems happening in the city. But there was also a very predominant Jewish culture here at the same time, which is, makes it a really, really unique place. Sounds a little bit like America. Right? America is a major economic and military power in the world. And Alaska is a major economic and military stronghold in the world. We're extremely strategic spot. We have a very large military environment or base here. And people are from all over the world. In this room, just in this room, people are from all over the world, which is mind-boggling. And in, in this time and age, that when, when a group of believers got saved in here, the, the culture was chaotic. There wasn't like this really strong culture that was set that everybody like believed one thing. So for Jesus to show up, Jesus is a culture like destroyer, like a world culture destroyer. His kingdom culture trumps all world culture. Every time. And so when the kingdom culture shows up, it's very disruptive to worldly patterns. I, can, I remember when I was uh, being witnessed to for the first, the first couple times, and I had friends like tell me, I don't do that. Like, I don't think like that. And I'm like, my brain was like, you don't think like that? I, I just couldn't even imagine because I had such a world brain. My world brain was mega challenged by a kingdom culture. And, and, and it, it was disruptive to me in a really good way. But at the same time, when the kingdom culture shows up, guess who, un, who knows it? Every demon in hell that's in that area, right? Every demon knows when, when, when the kingdom culture shows up. When Jesus showed up and the guy that was possessed by like a legion of demons, the demons start talking to Jesus and go, whoa, 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 hey, you're the son of God. Did you come to judge us, you know, before the appointed time? What are you doing here? They knew exactly who Jesus was. When you show up with the fullness of the power and the presence of God, you're a disruptor to the enemy's plans and the devil's culture and the world's culture. And so what happens in this environment is that 
Paul shows up and he just starts witnessing and a whole bunch of people get saved. Jews and Gentiles start getting saved. And a little baby church starts and that kingdom culture is so disruptive, everybody gets mad at Paul. And they just are persecuting him. And in order to save the church from getting all just persecuted and probably wiped out, Paul leaves and he abandons this baby church with all these baby Christians. And he's like, oh no. And he's worried that he feels like they're abandoned. Like, oh, my kids, he loves them. Like, and he doesn't, and he knows the enemy wants to come in and wreck him, but he felt like he had to leave. So he writes this letter back to them to help encourage their faith and build them up and hope, hopefully that they're, they haven't gotten off track, right? And so in this, I want you to know like we're talking about foundational components in brand new believers' lives. And there's a lot of brand new believers in our church, people that have just recently gotten saved. And if you give your life to Jesus today or you have recently, I'm telling you, you need to fill in the gaps in your faith. This is your personal responsibility and it's the responsibility of the believers around you. It's a mutual responsibility. Did you know you're in charge of you? You know that sometimes we don't think that? It's, real, it's called a victim mentality and a powerless mentality. The kingdom of God lives inside of each one of us when you believe. So now you're in charge of you. To, there was a really great prophetic word last week, to build yourself up. And even the word, it was saying, build yourself up. You have a responsibility to build yourself up. And as leaders and ministers and uh, those of us that have been along in the Lord longer, it's our job to help do what it says here, to help fill in the gaps in people's faith. It's why it's so important for us to not miss the fellowshipping together. God has called us to fellowship together all the time, regularly. Anytime the church, groups of people that are in relationship with one another begin fellowshipping with each other and worshiping Jesus, that is called church. Not just what happens in these four walls, but especially what happens in these four walls. This is church. This is the greater temple, not like the building, but that we have enough space for more people to gather together. Women, children, women, parents and kids. Okay, I mean, fathers and mothers. Okay, like families. All right, we let women in here. Can you believe it? Okay, no. All right, that was a, so they could isolate that little thing and then smoke me. Okay, don't get off track. <laughs> so thank God we're not in that day and age. That was ridiculous. Okay. All right, so when we, when we look at our lives, it is, we have a collective responsibility to one another, to ourselves being powerful people and to each other helping each other fill in the gaps. And so I brought up this little picture because I was talking about like the church and you have my little thing. Okay, this is how, I guess apparently not all herd animals do this. Somebody corrected me, thank you, appreciate that that sheep don't actually do this. But if they were smarter, they would do this, okay? So let's just say that. <laughs> that if sheep were smarter, I guess apparently they just go, and just run around and just freak out and they get eaten by wolves. But if they were smarter, they would do this, right? Is they, butts in, horns out. And, and this is the way the church ought to look. Is the young, the vulnerable, or the, the, the weak among us, or those that are vulnerable, are on the inside, 
And then we're protecting one another side by side. So there's no gaps in us and in between us. So the tighter we can get relationally, the better. But if you're a biting muskox or whatever the heck these things are, I didn't even look to see what those are. They look like muskox to me, right? Let's call them muskox, okay? Which is a weird thing to say, muskox. Just say that with me, muskox. Yeah, see, it sounds weird, okay. All right. Say that like a hundred times and you'll be like, that's not even a word anymore. But these, these, these animals, this is, this is a picture of the church. When God talks about the church, it's unity, unified vision to work together. But when some of us get bitey or nippy or not comfortable with the people next to us, you know, when you have brokenness in your relationship, you, it is amazing. And I don't know the neuroscience behind this, but what happens in our brains and between us is we, it, we have instant resistance, like, you know, you get in a fight with your wife. You're like, y'all, you're holding hands. You're like, oh, it's so good. We're having such a great time together. I love you. And you're like patting your hand. And then all of a sudden, it gets a little spicy. You know? And then somebody like pulls their hand away. And they go like, well, hold on a second. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, just your, the second you lose physical connection, you disconnect, right? Not only in your heart, but physically because you're like, I can't touch you right now. I'm mad at you. Isn't that right? <laughs> and then all, the, and even the, the more, the more you get, we start moving even farther away. Like, I'll talk to you over here. <laughs> Sometimes I'll close doors and talk behind the doors or just say, stop talking to me. It's just why it's so critical, what we're going to talk about today. It's so critical that we understand how do we fill in the gaps in us and between us. And it's our responsibility to fill in those gaps. When you're offended with someone, whose responsibility is it to cover or go try to infiltrate or to repair that offense? Whose? Your responsibility. Who do we want to make its responsibility? The other person. And then a lot of times we go, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray the Lord tells him. <laughs> He's all like, okay. Pray all you want. I already said. Pray, great. I already said. See, when God speaks, things go into existence. Placed in existence. This is why we're talking about giving the same way. Good, you can believe whatever you want and suffer or be blessed. Relational things work the same way. When God created the universe, he spoke it was. Do you know the universe has never shifted except for when God spoke again? Sun be still. And they can, you can astrologically go back and see that event. It happened. It stopped. And everything like got all messed up and readjusted and started again. Because he's God. He's the only one that ever, through his own word and power, can stop and disrupt the things that he already started. And he only does that for specific reasons, right? That are up to him, and they're his prerogative. Otherwise, guess what? When he speaks it, it is. And that's all we can do, is accept 
that and worship him in it. But the reality is when, when we don't know how to fill in gaps and how to get close because we refuse to believe the things spoke and said, God spoke and said they were, especially around repentance and forgiveness and being filled with his love, we abandon the unity in the church. And when we abandon the unity in the church, guys, we abandon the power in the church. Let there be no divisions among you. No gaps. And then we look in James. We look all over the place where it says, we, are, we need to be full of the wisdom and the word of God. We need to be full of the love of God. And when we're full and there's no gaps in us, so we're not blown around like a reed in the wind or a ship without a rudder, we need to understand and know who we are in him so we can take our spot butts in, horns out. And if I don't know how to treat you and love you, I can't be close to you. If I don't know how to repair relationships with you, then I can't stay next to you because all of a sudden we start getting a gap and who runs in for the little ones? The enemy sends the wolves in to get the little ones because we left a gap and that's our responsibility. If we don't take personal responsibility, and then collective responsibility, we're in trouble. So when I'm offended with someone else or I'm sideways or confused about something, it's my job to go ask them, not wait for them to come to me. Y'all, nobody knows what's going on in your head. Ladies, your men don't know what's going on in your head. And it's not their responsibility to read your flipping mind. Okay? Guys, you know when your wife is feeling distant. When you know that there's a gap, whose responsibility is it to try to close the gap? My, our, my responsibility, not theirs, okay? So they might be resisting and not realizing and all emotional or whatever, and you feel that distance and gap, and you see it, guess what? It's not your job to just pray. Pray, yes. And it's your job to now repair. Guys and gals, our marriages are desperate for us to take personal responsibility for our own gaps. Stop pointing fingers, y'all. Let's start taking responsibility what is it? Go home. You're having struggles in your marriage right now. Go home, make a list. These are all the things I need to do to make an adjustment so that I can repair my marriage. I promise you, your marriage is not better broken. It's not better disconnected. It's not better separated. Our church is not better broken. It's not better for us to have a division. I promise it's not like godly for one of us to peel off and create a church split. This is not godly for us. This will never produce righteousness. Sure, sin, plant, multiply. Yes, awesome. Not divisions. God is looking for a church that will stand together. And when it stands together in unity, then the power shows up. But we can't be in unity unless we get rooted and grounded in Jesus and the word, guys. We have to be full, full, full of the word of God. And I believe God's challenging our church to begin to fall in love with his word. And to start ramping up how much time we're spending in his word. Because we need to learn it. We can't just be attenders anymore. Too many people in the church have way too many gaps. And it's why churches are getting blown all over the place. 
It's our responsibility to be excellent disciples before the Lord. And we must be full of the word of God. We have to. And so I, I, even when I was preparing this message, I was feeling this challenge that like, it's time for me to ramp up how much time I'm spending in his word. And I'm encouraging you, ramp it up. If you're at zero, guess what? Zero time a day, you can ramp that up. You can do, anything is bigger, right? It's so awesome. You do one minute, then you're like, hey, I can double my time. You're like, two minutes tomorrow. You're amazing. You're doubling it. Double it again. You're at four minutes. You're crushing it. You're a doubler. How about you double it until you get somewhere around 15, 20, 30 minutes and challenge yourself to get into an hour a day. I promise you an hour a day and the word of God will change your life. Worship. God's called us to worship in spirit and in truth. These are gaps that need to be filled in our life is that we're called to not just pray. And we're going to talk about prayer is another one. We're called to worship together. When you worship by yourself, that's called prayer. Did you know this? Singing prayer. Awesome. You need that. Prayer is power. Praying and worshiping your individual life, very, very huge. And we need that. We need, need, need that increased. And we need to gather together and worship something in the heavenlies shift when we're talking about not just the gaps in us, but the gaps of that we're called to help fill in one another happen in corporate worship. And that is not just in a large gathering like this, but the more you get, the more gaps are being filled and the more it's charged. Any groups of people is the church gathered worshiping and we're called the worshiping in groups. And you, church, you are a believer. You do not have a private relationship with Jesus. As a disciple, you don't have a private relationship with Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus, it's why Jesus ordained the waters of baptism. It's a public display of your affection to God. And I'm telling y'all, challenge yourself in your public display of affection with God. You will begin to grow. And it's not about having some kind of feeling. It's about offering a sacrifice of praise with your whole being. You do that in the waters of baptism. We do that when we worship collectively together. Then we pray. Focus prayer and intercession for others and ourselves. Praying in the Holy Spirit. These are gaps that need to be filled. You need to learn how to pray in the Holy Spirit. You need to learn how to pray. Pray an hour a day. Holy smokes. Pray and read the word an hour a day. Your world, the church is going to shift. The power is going to increase and you're going to be ready to help train and fulfill and fill others. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit and obey. But it's love-driven obedience, guys. We don't obey only out of fear of God, and we ought to, but we are primarily driven by love in the kingdom. Serve. We're called to serve one another and build the body, share our faith, to testify about the good things that Jesus has done. It is a devil and world destroyer when you share your faith. We overcome in Revelations 12 by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. I think I said it backwards, but the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. 
We worship Jesus filled with the word and the power of Jesus and we share our testimony and the devil runs and flees. Everywhere you go and you put your foot and share your testimony is kingdom ground that has been taken from the enemy. Giving generously. When we give beyond just our tithes and offerings, but we give generously to the people around us, this is one way how we fill in gaps with those around us. There should be no needs among us. And it's not the pastors in the organization's job for you to come ask us who has needs. Guys, that math doesn't work. That's ridiculous. That's bad math. Don't call the church asking like, hey, I, I want this. Meet a friend. There's all kinds of friends in here. Friendly people. Build relationships. Get into our care network. Our care network is amazing. And it is rich. And there are amazing leaders who are growing and leading. We've got fantastic pastors over the ministry to help you be shepherded if you're like, oh, I really need a pastor. We have pastors that want to shepherd you. And they're in our care network. Just join a group. Join one of our care groups. And build real relationships. You're like, hey, I want to lead and I want to do that. Then get into a group and sell, tell somebody, I want to help affect other people's lives. I feel a pastoral call in my life. Start shepherding. Come on. Do your job. Do your job. How fun is it when everybody's doing their job? It actually is really fun when we give generously and we disciple others. We sow into others' lives and feed, 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 feed. Okay, verse 11. Make God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus, bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Just as our love for you overflows. Okay, so you want to know how to fill in gaps. Telling you about a practical discipleship stuff. I gave you a big list of practical discipleship stuff. We could preach series on how to do all those things. Or really, you need to get in relationship and do those. And, but but here's, here's a guide. You want to start and ignite all of that? This is how you do it. May our God and Father of our Lord Jesus bring us to you soon. And verse, uh, verse 12. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people, grow and overflow. Okay, so there's two groups of people that he's saying he wants your love to begin overflowing, growing. And then right here he says, I'm not telling you to do something I'm not already doing for you. This is how discipleship works. Healthy churches don't abdicate responsibility. Healthy church leaders don't abdicate responsibility and say, hey, Look, you're going to do this stuff, but I'm going to live on a different code. It's not like in politics where they offer you terrible health care and they take the best. Just keep voting the same people in, guys. It's going to be awesome. I promise it'll work. That's called sarcasm. Please stop. Please stop. I, I don't know why. I'm, okay. Do you know that the percentage of people that vote and Christians that vote is so sad? If you have a theological thing about where you think there's a theology about like why you shouldn't vote and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I probably shouldn't be so harsh. That's dumb. And I'm not saying you're dumb, but whoever taught you that, like I'm telling you, that is, that is terrible theology. You and I are called to have responsibility to affect the world around us. And it is a really important responsibility. 
And I heard people say this too. They're like, but I don't really know. Then no. And they all lie. Yes, they all, not all of them lie. It's not, it's tr- not true. Not all of them are liars. Run for office. Don't be a liar and then be awesome. Okay. When, when, we, look, when we look in this space, okay, that was, that was a total tangent, but I just needed to get it out. <sighs> there is a source for growth. That's what we see right here. A source for growth. And there are two responsibilities. One another here in this group, people that are in your church, and that is a primary responsibility for Christians, is that in our church, there's not supposed to be any needs among us. And and some of the reason why there's so many needs is because y'all aren't filling your own needs. And you're asking others to fill needs that are your responsibility. And that's part of being a powerful person filled with the Holy Spirit and then bringing your other needs in relationship to people around you and they're helping fill those gaps. We are the least likely people to survive on our own. God made us out of all the species on the planet. We're less likely to survive than even cockroaches and little bugs. And how do those things make it? I don't know. We can't make it on our own. We can't make it on our own for years and years and years and years. And if it wasn't for the love and care and compassion of our one anothering each other, none of us would be alive. Y'all, if your moms didn't take care of you or somebody took care of you and your parents maybe abandoned you, you'd not be here. You can't make it. And as emotional beings and spiritual beings, God made us for interdependence, not codependence. Codependence is I need you for things that I actually ought to be able to get from the Lord and for myself. Rather than, without you, I can survive, I can be okay as an adult, but with you, I'm way better, and you help fill in gaps in my life, and I fill in gaps in your life, and it's now mutually beneficial, where we go, man, without my church, where would I be? That's the kind of church God wants us to be. Without my family, where would I be? Without my spouse, where would I be? These are so important for us to get. But if we don't get this point, one, that we're called to responsibility to one another, and then it says, for all people, our love needs to be growing for one another. And that means we got to work through our church issues. Hurts and when the other muskox were biting us and distanced us or pointing the wrong end at us, right? That's not good. And then we have to take responsibility for those. And then we also have to work out and be filled with enough love to where we want to go tell other people about the love of Jesus. That other people dying and going to hell or being separated from God for eternity begins to matter to us. Other people that are struggling and lost and hurting and lonely and empty, they need the love of Jesus and where our love needs to grow for him and for, for them because it's growing from him. All right, so we're gonna break this down in a second, but I want you to hear this, just a little testimony in my life. I remember when I first got saved and I mean, God crashes into my life. I wasn't a church going kid. I never read the Bible, any of that. And then God speaks to me, he says, I'm real. And this is what you're searching for. When my wife now, she and her friends witnessed to me and I got saved because they told me about the love of Jesus. They were, they, were, they were loving enough, they had enough love of God in them 
that overflowed into my life. And then I got to have a personal relationship with Jesus because of their love for me. Isn't that awesome? And I remember when I got saved and I remember going to church and I'm like, God, I mean, I'm so glad I'm saved. I love your presence. But I remember thinking all the time, like, I don't know how to love you. I don't even know how to love you. And I almost felt like I didn't love God. Even though I was committed to him, I knew he was Lord and I was submitted to him and he was my God. But I just didn't feel a love for him. I don't know if any of you have ever felt this way, but this is just my experience. And I remember just going, God, your word says all the time, I'm like starting to read passages that says that we should love you. And like, I don't know how to do that. And all I knew how to do was ask the Lord to teach me how to love him. I probably prayed that for 10 years. And I, I mean, like, till I felt like I had a huge breakthrough in my love relationship with God. I, I still pray that. I don't even know. It's almost subconscious. I'm not keeping track. It's part of my regular time of where I ask the Lord to teach me how to love him more and more. Awesome, powerful prayer. This is a power truth that's coming out of this scripture right now. Is that the Lord, in verse 12, it says, The Lord make, may the Lord make, this word's important, your love for one another and all people grow. If you want your love for people to grow, you have to ask the one who is the source of all love and power and goodness for that ability. If your love is grown cold, you're probably not praying this kind of prayer. But I'm praying this prayer for you, that your love, that God will make your love grow for everybody around you, your spouse included, your kids, even ladies, your daughters, when they're 13, 14, 15, 16, okay? Come on. May your love grow for them. May their love grow for you, right? Come on. We have a commitment to love one another. You guys know that like moms and daughters in that age, they always struggle. Do you guys know this? You don't know this? You're like, okay, then you're not thinking about it. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. Because our love can grow. There are seasons of our life where we're struggling with others in our close families or in our, in, in our relationships. And God's saying, hey, listen, make your love grow. Let me make your love grow until it overflows. Not just filled up a little bit, but it's just overflowing like crazy. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 said this, Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Healthy discipleships, disciples, and healthy churches, the love among them is growing. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 says this, But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself taught you to love one another. God is the love teacher. He is the love doctor. He teaches everybody how to love. Y'all, we need to go to him to learn how to love, not to some silly workbook somewhere, okay? Or listen to like some radio host. 
You and I need to go to the source. Lord, will you make my love grow for people in the church and all around me? Just make it grow like crazy till it overflows, Lord. But God himself has taught you, God, teach me how to love. And this is the prayer that I stumbled onto when I was a young believer. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. I love this. Hey, you're already doing okay in this. I already see you're loving. And this is how I feel about Unite Church. I feel like this is becoming a very loving church. I feel like we're doing a really good job. And the word here says, this is what Paul was saying to them. He's like, hey, you guys are doing a good job, but let's turn up the heat. There's more. Like, God, will you teach me how to love more? Will you teach me how to love people around me more? And, and, and teach me how to love the unlovely, the people that annoy me the most. Will you teach me how to love them the most? God, will you help me break through this problem that I have with this individual that they do things that bothers me? God, will you teach me how to love them? Lord, I do things that are weird and annoying that bother other people. I make mistakes and fail. God, will you teach me how to be a person that can love others even in my own failure? Help me to be a person that's easy to love. Easy to be around. God, will you just work it out? But God is the source and he's the teacher and the instructor. And he's saying, there's no limit. And Ephesians says this, there is actually no limit to God's love. His love is actually endless. For us, it's endless. That's how we can understand it. So no matter how good you and I are doing, this prayer is so relevant to the church. Say, God, fill me up. Help me to love others and love all kinds of people around one another and others. And God, just fill it up, fill it up, overflow. And I'm urging you, church, turn up the heat in your love. Turn up the heat of this prayer, God. Fill me up with your love so I can just be overflowing even more and more and more, bigger and bigger, until people's hearts pop with love. Right? They pop with acceptance. They just explode. They're like, oh my gosh, I feel so loved and accepted here. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God is the one who puts a heart of generosity inside of each one of us. And when we seek him and we pursue him, the road to growth is in pursuit of the Lord. And when we pursue him, he will give us his heart of generosity to then overflow it to others. Because you're not just blessed to be blessed. God gave a promise to Abraham, and we are all in descendants of Abraham spiritually, that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. We're actually filled with love so we can overflow to others. And this spirit of generosity is also a gift from the Lord. And when you pursue him and your love is growing in him and your relationship with him is growing, your love is increasing and the generosity in our hearts to then cause it to overflow or share it with others is given also as a mutual gift, a tandem gift and provision from God himself. Because he's the one that puts those seeds in there and he's the one that will give you not only the love, but the desire to give it away generously. It's pretty cool. Verse 13, may he, as a result, make your hearts strong 
blameless and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. The Lord, the pathway again to strength and holiness, guys, is right here. As a result, that he will make your hearts strong and blameless and holy as you stand before God. His love, his heart, his instructions in me. It's all, see how, being a really good disciple of Jesus, a healthy church is about pursuing him. He's the source of all of it. And we're called to be pursuing him. And when we do, the result is strength. The result is holiness. The result is blamelessness. And this is the thing you'll hear me say, but this is a true thing. And it's part of understanding the fear of the Lord is that it says it right here, is that you are going to stand before God the Father. And in that moment, there's a lot of things that, that, that it says, but two major things is that you're going to give account for your sin. And if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, because the Bible says that if you choose Jesus, then all of your sin will be forgiven no matter what you have done. So when you give account, I'm telling you, y'all, we want to have the blood of Jesus or we have to pay for that sin. And the Bible says the wages or the result of our sin, the payment for our sin is death or when the Bible teaches that death is actually not just physical death, it is eternal separation from God. And then giving account, you have to give account for everything you did. That's a big deal. And then the other thing is that we're going to be rewarded. We're gonna stand before him and we're gonna give account and we're gonna be rewarded for the things that we have and have not done. How we lived our life for Jesus. I don't know, standing before him is a holy thought. When I stand before him, I wanna be strong, blameless, and holy. How about you? I wanna stand before him, like no matter what I've done, I'm like, Lord, I know you've covered me for that sin, but I wanna be strong here on earth and when I stand before God. I wanna be blameless and I wanna be holy. And all of these things are a result of being made. May he, as a result, make your heart. You can't make your heart strong, blameless, and holy. Did you see that? It's right there in verse 13. He makes your heart strong, blameless, and holy. Can we sit there for a second? We're closing right now, I promise. But I want you to sit on this. He makes you holy. He makes you strong. He makes you blameless. And he is the one we have to pursue in order to have these results. I want these results. Lord, will you do these results? I want those good results. I don't get them if I don't pursue you. And I don't get them if I don't ask you, Lord, to make me holy, blameless, and strong. In church, this promise is here and it's all over in the Bible. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And the Bible tells us that when he comes, no one's going to have to tell you. 
You know, when we're sitting in here and we're worshiping and when you feel the presence of God, no one has to tell you. When someone leans over and goes, the Holy Spirit's here, you're like, yeah, no, duh. <laughs> I feel that. I was in a room one time when the Holy Spirit dropped and there was like, I don't know, 3,000 people. I don't know. We were in an overflow room and the worship thing was happening, another thing. And the love of the Father showed up. And I promise you, thousands of people, old, young, didn't matter, no one could stop weeping. No one. I started crying, I didn't even know why. Because I felt the Father's love. Y'all, we're going to stand before Him and that is a fraction of the power of what it will be. In fact, our flesh could never handle our earthly flesh could never handle that power. It would die. And there's tons of examples of this happening and happening even in the Bible. It's like, you, your flesh cannot do that. Your glorified body is made for that glory. But our flesh is not made for that glory. So we get a fraction. Can you imagine how awesome that's going to be? Church, Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's coming back for us. He didn't leave us. He didn't abandon us. He's coming back. And at some moment, we're all going to know, and no one's going to have to tell anybody, Jesus is here. He's going to come as if he's riding on a cloud, right? And everybody in the world's going to know, and they're going to feel the power of God showing up. And no matter what, if we're here that day, he says, he's coming with his holy people. So if you're on earth, you, you might be on earth. We might be on earth when that happens. But if we're not, and we've already died and gone to heaven and we're saved by the blood of Jesus. Guess what? He says he's coming with his holy people too. That's dope. Y'all, we're going to be there. When Jesus comes back, we're going to be like, let's go. It's going to be so good. Jesus is coming. He's coming. And he wants to come right now and he wants to make you and I holy. He wants to make us strong. He wants to make us connected. No gaps. He's telling the church right now, he's urging the church, fall in love with my love. Pursue my love and let it cause you to grow and make you strong. And it'll fill in the gaps in your spiritual life and I'll fill in the gaps between one another. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.